7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim Davis along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. The good, the bad, the ugly. Bad covering a Mason Men. Once again, they they lose in the Armac Tournament, this time hosting in a Brownson Arena. Last time out, they lost to Regis of the Black Hill State. This time they lose to Cover School of Mines on Friday night, 64-53. Plays 325 points to lead the Mavericks in that one, but tough loss for the Mavericks. They are now on the road at Canyon, Texas because Fort Lewis who ended up winning the RMAC tournament, they were the number one team in the region. And somehow, Until some it way, came time to play the regional <laughs> tournament. It's weird how that works. And I, I get it, West Texas a won the Lone Star, but... That's, that's definitely it. All front range teams away from the Western Slope at all costs. But that Fort, applies Fort, Fort even Lewis for the won. Southwest region. But Fort Lewis was the top team in the region. Until it came time to actually host the regional tournament. And then, hey, what do you know? The Buffaloes are going to get to host. Yeah. What do you know? I'm honestly shocked they didn't have the Lone Star teams as the top four seeds. I'm there with you on that. I'm legitimately shocked to be like, oh, wow, one of the RMAC teams is going to get to wear the home whites? Oh, but they have to play another RMAC team. Yeah, it's that... weird how that works out. Yeah, it's... Um... It's it, it's a little it hinky, just isn't it? On accident, isn't it? Yeah, we heard it uh, Friday night in the post game. Mike DeGeorge is even like, "There's politics going on about who's going to host the tournament." Can't imagine yeah. how the South Central Regional came to that decision. The NCAA tournament. Yeah, weird, weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little a uh, little interesting, a little curious, huh? Yeah, how you're Fort Lewis, okay, you you come up here, give this guy Hawks their due. They win the RMAC tournament championship. They're the number they're the number one team in the region. And somehow right up until selection Sunday. Right up until last night. Yeah. Huh. They were the number one team. As seeds eight through three were being announced, and then, oh crap, Durang- Durango, Colorado. Ooh, nope, no, they're number two. No, that that will not do. Yeah, <laughs> would have been a shorter drive than coming to here, but mm-hmm. then unfortunately the Maverick men didn't take yeah. care of business the way we kind of thought they would. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, it, it frustrating loss on Friday night for the Maverick men who got yeah. uh, out rebounded by what forty three to thirty in that game. Mm-hmm. Blaze three had twenty five. I mean, Reese Johnson had had thirteen, but other than that, uh, they didn't for, really play very well. Yeah, to off be night for yeah, off night for Trevor Baskin. Macrinicker had five points and five rebounds, but didn't get the sense that he impacted the game the way he normally does. Not really. I got the feeling calling that game that. And I may be wrong, but this is just my feeling, right? And this is only me, and this isn't anything here nor there. 
they kind of had the vibe that, all right, mines is just going to fall apart. We just got to wait for them to, you know, let us come back. And they never did. It's not like Mines was putting their, you know, pedal to the metal or anything like that. They scored 20 points under their season average. Mavs were defensively doing what they were, you know, doing as good as Top they could. Top defense in the RMAC. Yeah. But offensively, it just felt like there wasn't really a sense of urgency until there was like three minutes left. And they're like, oh. We better get going We're here. down <laughs> like 16 here. Let's maybe pick it up a little bit. And it, it was at that point, it was just too much. Well, Ben Boone had a really good game off the bench. Them, he had 11 points, five rebounds. They he had a couple of threes. I mean, Thistlewood played well for them once again. Maybe not. You know, 14 he and was seven. All right, yeah. I mean, he played. He played well. He he was an accumulator guy, but for yeah. you know, the first half. Brandon part Sullivan of the second, though was, he had a double double in that game. Yeah. 13 and 12. For you know, part of that game, I was watching Adam Thistlewood be like. This dude played at CSU? And he was going to be one of their stars when he came in yeah. as a freshman, and it never turned out that way. He wasn't anything like super special. He's very he solid. Well. He, played he played all right. Well. Yeah. He played well. He had, he had two blocks. The the Boone kid had a couple of wide-open shots because they were moving around without the ball. And I remember one three-pointer in particular that Reese Johnson was covering two or diggers at the time, just because of the way the or diggers were moving the ball around and setting screens, and Mavericks tried to switch, and then uh, Johnson he was having to go between um, the Krasovich, the Hungarian kid, and Boone, and he just he can't move as fast as the basketball. That's yeah. all there is to it. Yeah, <laughs> and Boone had a wide open three, and it just kind of happened that way a lot. He got free quite a bit. Krasovich was open. As they were moving the ball around, the Mavericks just had trouble, kind of. But three hit needed more. Switch. He needed offensive help. He needed he needed oh, somebody yeah. else to yep. step up. Somebody else had to be Robin in that game, and nobody yep. was. No, I mean, Reese Johnson, double figures, thirteen. I mean, Reese hit three threes. He mm-hmm. played well, but you needed you needed more than just his thirteen points. From others needed uh, yeah. needed to contribute more the than what the they did. The rest of the team was two of twelve from yeah. three, which is which and is that's not just good. Not going to get it done. Like I said they got dominated on the glass. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll play some of that post game with uh, Mike DeGeorge coming up uh, after a bit. So uh, the good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday. Text call us 970-242-1340. Good Plateau Valley boys. Yeah. Who they were uh, the consolation winners in 2012. But uh, they move on in the uh, 2A state basketball tournament. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Get a big win against Vail Christian, which has been a huge rival of theirs for, for quite some time now. We're trying to track down Mike Vig to get him on. This morning, we will talk with Kyle Crowder. Unfortunately for Delta, their season comes to an end against the top seed Holy Family. So the good, the bad, the ugly today. What makes your list? Text or call us, 970-242-1340. How about the Avalanche defensively? Georgiev played his butt off last night. Mm-hmm. Georgie was great. Defensively, the Avalanche have not looked good. after Well, gave up seven goals on, yeah. on Saturday against Dallas in a game that could have helped them get a little closer to the top of the Central Division standings. Who do we have on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line? Uh, this is Mike. Mike. All right. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? It's, we're doing well today, Mike. Would, good, would, good. Be, would be better if the Mavericks would have won on Friday night. Yeah, but. or if it wasn't <laughs> Monday. 
You know, yeah, or if it wasn't Monday, sucks. that's exactly right. What's on your mind, Mike? Hey, well, it's cool to be on the air. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to yeah, hear that. That's, I'm glad you dropped. Did you get it trademarked yet, Mike? You got to get it trademarked. Got to make some well, money I'll off this. Get right us. on it. Okay, get right on that. Okay, so what, what's on your <laughs> mind today, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> well, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson didn't play so great last season. Was last year's bad play by Wilson just a fluke? Will he likely play well this year? And if not, will he be out of a job in Denver at the end of next season? I'll hang up and listen to response. Okay, Thanks, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, so we're out of the gate with some Broncos talk this morning. I'd like to think it'll be better with Sean Payton there and what, what he's going to run offensively. I think he will tailor an offense that will fit what Russ's skill set is now. Will Russ buy in? I would think so. He wanted Sean. Now, here's the thing. He wanted Sean Payton when he mm-hmm. was in Seattle, allegedly, according to the Athletic article. Yeah. That he wanted Sean Payton. Well, he's got Sean Payton now. And it's going to be up to him to to be able to meet Sean Payton in the middle in terms of what Russ feels like he wants to do offensively and what Payton feels like is best for this football team and what's best for his quarterback considering what his skill set is I, now. I don't know if he will be better. He has to be better. Uh, or uh, he's going to cost Payton his job. Not Sean Payton. George Payton will get yes. fired because he's the one that mortgaged this to send it all, all to Seattle to get Russ to have subpar season, and then if he follows it up with another one, George Payton, he's done. I hit the road, Jack. I mean, I really don't know how he would be able to survive that. Because I'm a little surprised. Not a lot surprised. I'm a little surprised he survived this season. If the if the Penners had bought in in twenty one, not twenty two, George Payton would have been fired after trading for Russell Wilson and then have Wilson play like that, gone. Especially with them firing Nathaniel Hackett, you know, four and a half months into his tenure or whatever it turned out to be the season. I mean, I know he was there in the off season. That doesn't really count. So very quickly on what so let's say this year goes badly. Let's say it, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. That in in, tar, in terms of this season, you know that they're not going to release him this year. So, no. but no 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 post June one designation, no option exercise, salary cap increase. If they if they if for some wacky reason be eighty five million, the dead money be a hundred and seven million dollars. So it's obviously it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> no, but it's, it's pretty it's pretty obvious obvious mm-hmm. about that. And so, looking at looking at next year, be tw- be forty six million dollars in dead money for the twenty twenty four season if they decide to let him go. Salary cap increase forty nine point six million. I'm sorry, the, the dead money be eighty five million. Pardon me if there's no post June one designation, no mm-hmm. second option exercise, it'd be eighty five million. So they could realistically cut him loose next season and they would have $85 million in, in dead money by releasing him before exercising the option for the 2028 contract year. I mean, $37 million of his 2025 base salary is guaranteed for injury at signing. $37 million becomes fully guaranteed in the fifth day of the 2024 league year. So, the, realistically, they could cut him loose next year. They would suffer a some financial hardship from that. Yeah. 
but they could walk from him. I think they find a way to make this work. Maybe that's me with my Broncos orange and blue glasses on this morning. Maybe that is the case. I think they find a way to make this work, though. But like you, I agree with you totally. For George Payton, this has to work. Yeah. Because he was the one that wanted Russ after mm-hmm. they couldn't get Aaron Rodgers, and they brought in Hackett, and they thought Hackett would be the, the carrot that would bring in Aaron Rodgers. And here we go with Rodgers being the quarterback in Denver. Didn't work out that way. Yeah. He signed the extension with Green Bay. Hackett comes to Denver. It's a disaster. And now there, there's no excuses. There's no excuses for Russ. Mm-hmm. He's got the coach that he wanted. And so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think, I think he will be better in 2023, 2024. And this has to work. That quote is different for different people, right? And it's a different bar to meet. Russell Wilson goes out and throws for 4,000 yards and 28 touchdown passes, let's, let's just say. And his completion percentage is 62-63. For me, in the first year under Sean Payton, nine wins. Nine and eight, throws for 4,000 yards, 28 touchdown passes. That worked. Portions of the Broncos country and even maybe the ownership group, that's not going to be good enough. May not be. Russell Wilson could come out, win 10 games, you know, throw for 35 touchdowns, throw for 4,100 yards, wild card round bow out of the playoffs, and people would still clamor for George Payton's head because that's not working to a standard, they an unrealistic standard that has been set. No, there's going to be a fan base that's going to be, they, they're going to expect more. Mm-hmm. Personally, if he throws for 4,000 yards, gives me 25 to 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, Denver wins 9, 10 games. Me personally, mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about that. That's the building of some... Once again, gets back to the thing I keep I, I keep preaching about this to people. You've got you've to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. Mm-hmm. This We're going to go from 5 wins to 12 wins nonsense. Right. How about let's get to 9 wins? How about that? Hell, let's get to eight wins. But nine, nine wins, ten wins. How about let's look for that mm-hmm. first? Let's let's be competitive. Let's and, let this team be on the, in the playoff picture as we get into December. How mm-hmm. about that, January? How about that? As opposed to this, he's got to throw for five thousand yards and he's got to throw for forty five touchdowns. There's and people that the nonsense. sky is falling, and this is an embarrassing drought for the franchise and. I'm ashamed to be a fan and all this sort of nonsense. If Russ throws for 20 touchdowns last year, the Broncos probably win eight games. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're most Maybe likely, more. They're most likely at least in the playoffs. they're one-score game record. They're at least in the wild-card conversation. You know, so... Maybe don't get in, but at least they're in the conversation. There's a potential turnaround. It's right there. Yeah. They, you know, you almost didn't need it. You were seven scoring drives away from being a 500 team if everything else shook out the same. So, you know, like, are you going to win 13 games next year? Probably not. Probably you're not. Gonna win, you're going to lose at least three division games. Yeah. It, in all likelihood. You don't want to, but you're probably going to. Yeah. I, you know. That, that's a fair thing to Chargers say. Chargers and maybe get swept by the Chiefs. Still, Traditionally, you lose a game you're not supposed to to the Raiders. So, there is that. So, right there, it's, you know, that's 
13 and you can't, you're not going to go winless or you're not going to go undefeated the rest of the way there just because you're not at that point yet and the league's too balanced. Could you win nine games? Yeah. Sure. But let's get – let's just preemptively Let's get competitive. Out. How yeah. about let's be competitive first? Go. Which this year they were, for the most part, competitive. They had nine one-score losses. With an offense that set the league back 40 years, they and were still competitive. A, his, a franchise historically worst offense. Yeah. And so if, as you look at that, you go, man, you get this offense middle tier. Mm-hmm. With that defense, and hopefully, let's hope, let's hope, Vance Joseph. Oh, I forgot you know, about that. That's right. See, that's the one thing you got to go. Oh. So maybe not nine wins. We'll see where it goes. There's nine wins I, out there. Let's I, put it that way. Yeah, I, I just feel like that that there's going to be this expectation of Russ doesn't throw for 30 touchdowns, that that it's going to be a failure and they need to, they need to cut him loose. I just, it's... I have a feeling it might go that way. I hope it doesn't. All right, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, tomorrow, what, tomorrow afternoon franchise tag has uh, to be yeah, released. So what, 1 o'clock? 1 o'clock our time, I believe. Yeah, so we'll talk more about that and around the NFL, talking Broncos and the NFL. And, of course, the XFL. Oh, yeah. Week three of the XFL, I believe. Are you asking me or telling me? No. I don't know. I think it's three. No, there's a question mark there. It's like, week three? I just uh, watched the Avs last night and Kraken, Mm -hmm. and I watched a little bit of, was it Houston, San Antonio? Was that the late game? That was the late game, yeah. Okay. I I turned it on for maybe, well, it was on. (laughs) I watched it for maybe four minutes before I fell asleep. Luckily, I, I was already I in a, bed, so I didn't have to go anywhere. I watched. I flipped over during commercial breaks with the Avalanche, to be quite honest. Yeah. That's, Av's defense has got to get better. Ooh. Ooh At least not, it was only three. But, and, that's not, you know, and that's not knocking Georgiev, who I thought No, was, he's been playing great. He had a couple of just insane mm-hmm. – well, he had several just insane saves last like night. Like I said last Wednesday to Connor, he's the Bulgarian brick wall. So he's been playing fine. It's just he can only do so much. Right? Yeah. It's not like I went up nephew's peewee hockey or whatever it is, like 8U. They were up in Aspen. And one game, my nephew played goaltender, and he only allowed three goals. But that's because they only had four shots, and they played essentially the entire game at the other end of the ice. That's what Georgiev needs. He needs that type of offensive performance and defensive help to where the puck doesn't get anywhere near him. He can only stop so many shots. Playing seven games in four days, it feels like, for the Avalanche, and then... You know, here, let's throw 100 shots at him with nobody in the front to stop him. And Oh, they lost 3-2. Goaltender sucks. That's not no. how it works. No, and, and he he wasn't. Who is this guy? He's terrible. Come on now. Did somebody say that last night? No, but you know, that's how hockey fans are around the league, right? It's like, because there's no nuance with fandom anymore. It's the, I mean, well, they allowed 50 shots, and there was essentially nobody standing in front of him to help, and he allowed three goals. Yeah. I don't know how many shots he gave up. but 30, uh, th- He was saved 32 out of 35 last night. That's a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots. That's a shot every other minute. And the Avs have the puck in there sometimes, too. So, I mean, yeah, and they, and he's like, doing and, what he can. And, like, he wasn't like he wasn't great on, you know, wasn't great on Saturday. They, they lost 7-3. to three. And, He had pulled, know, and Keith Kincaid 
game in, but last night he was really good. Yeah, he was, he was great, and for the most part, he's been great this season. He's been great this last stretch. Yeah, they played. I think they had four win, three wins in four days, and he had all of them. He allowed two goals. Yeah. All right, seven twenty, and it's time for what's happening. All right, and it's brought to you by our friends over at ComWest. ComWest, they're the ones that can help you. If you have technology needs, they're your technology partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. For example, if you need a new business phone system, ComWest, Nathan and his crew helped us out with that. We have cybersecurity network system or network support that they help you can they can help you with backup and disaster recovery, PC and server support, surveillance. If you have concerns about uh, well protecting the things at your work, they're your technology service partner. Call them today. Give Comwest a call nine seven zero two four two eighty one forty two. We'll start things out with the Colorado Mesa men's basketball team after a disappointing loss to Colorado School of Mines in the Armac Tournament semis. The Colorado Mesa men's basketball team is heading to Canyon, Texas, for the South Central Region Tournament. The Mavericks picked up a fifth seed and will open up with four seed at Angelo State on Saturday. Game time has not been set. West Texas A and M jumped over top seeded Fort Lewis to host the regional. Interesting. The second-seeded Skyhawks will face seven-seeded Lubbock Christian with third-seeded Cardinal School of Mines taking on Armac Foe and six-seeded Black Hill State. CMU is 4-2 and two against the teams in the South Central region. All the Mavs this weekend on the team CMU Sports Network. The Avalanche couldn't hold a late lead last night and falling at home to Seattle 3-2 to in overtime. Cardinal picked up goals from Nathan McKinnon and Dennis Malgin as goalie Alexander Georgiev made 32 saves. Cardinal was tied for third in the Central Division with Winnipeg. Tonight on the team, the Nuggets score off against Toronto in uh, that one. And uh, the Nuggets tonight and Toronto hit your airwaves with Jason Kosminski this evening. And I'm trying to find my time for that game. Game time for that one tonight. 6.30 7 o'clock tip. Toronto and the Nuggets tonight right here on the team with Jason Kosminski. So the Rockies saw another Chris Bryant home run and a good start from Austin Gomber in their 6-5 to five loss to the Cubs Sunday at Salt River Fields. It was Bryant's third home run in spring training with Gomber going three innings with one, with one run on three hits, the walk and three strikeouts. An absolutely horrible start uh, in his first spring training start. Gomber bouncing back with a good effort yesterday. The Cairo Mesa women's wrestling team and wrestler Marissa Gagos, she's a national champion. Gagos wrapped up an undefeated season at 28-0 with the 123-pound title at the national tournament at Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Gagos is the first national champion in the history of the women's program as the Mavericks finished fourth in the team standings. Seven CMU wrestlers were named All-Americans at that tournament. The Cairo Mesa softball team won their home series with Adams State. The Mavericks' Aislinn Sharp hit two home runs and teammate Ava Fugate hit two triples to lead CMU to a 15-1 route of the Grizzlies in Game 1 yesterday. Fugate becomes just the fifth Mav in program history to hit two triples in a game. The second game of the doubleheader was canceled due to high wins. CMU is 11-8 overall. They're 9-2 in the RMAC. The Cardinal Mesa baseball team dropped their final game of their series Saturday and falling to Montana State Billings 9-6. The Mavs' Julian Boyd went 3-4 for the double for CMU as they take 3-4 out of four in the series. The 9-6 Mavs open up defense of their RMAC title Friday when they take on Metro State at 3.30 at the Diamond at the Bergman Sports Complex. The Plateau Valley Boys basketball team is into the two-way grade eight. The Cowboys beat Telluride Friday 59-28, and they knocked off rival Vale Christian 50-42 to to advance. Coulter Ralston led Plateau Valley at the season-high 15 points with four threes. 
19 and 3 Plateau Valley will get 18 and 6 Ray this Thursday night at 8:30 at the Budweiser Event Center in Loveland. Ray is paced by Rafael Trejo's 13 points per game. The Eagles have three other players in double figures. In other tournament games, the Cedar Ridge boys fell to Strasburg 71 to 59 in the 3A tournament as the Bruins finished the year 18 and 4. The North Fork girls fell to Ellicott 45 to 40 in the 3A tournament. The Miners Peyton Carver scored 15 as North Fork ends the season at 18 and 6. The Grand Valley girls move on to the 3A tournament the 52-46 win over Yuma. The Cardinals will take on Vanguard School this Thursday at 4 o'clock. Delta Panthers girls basketball team dropped their grade 8 postseason game to top seed a Holy Family 55-31 Friday night at the Denver Coliseum. Delta would only trail by six at halftime, but Holy Family's full-court press and three-point shooting would be too much to overcome as the Tigers outscored the Panthers 34-16 in the second half. Junior Kylie Huff led Delta with 11 points, followed by sophomore Taylor Summers, who had nine points, and we'll talk with Coach Kyle Crowder coming up in just a little bit. Panthers in in the season with a 19-6 record, also snaps their 17-game winning streak. And that's a look at... What's happening? Brought to you by our friends over at ComWest. If you need help from a technology standpoint, give ComWest a call today, 970-242-8142. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the Team. Welcome back, 728. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trust name in automobiles. This is, is this the new Metallica? This is the brand new song from last week, yes. If Darkness Had a Sun, is yep. that... It's really good. I listened to it uh, over the weekend. I like it. Um, I don't know if I love it yet, but I like it. Uh, it takes a little while to get it's there. It's a grower, yeah. It takes it takes a little while to get where it where it needs to get going, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But yeah, but it's it's very but, weird talking about this with uh, our buddy Bronco Sarge when you were gone Wednesday. He te- he was on the text line. We're like, you know, it's a little uh, kind of halfway between hardwired album sound, right? And for whom the bell tolls. It's very simple. Not a whole lot of lyrics to it. No. But it's very chuggy getting to the. Uh, it's like okay, getting to the we're, song. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna get there eventually, right? We're mm-hmm. we're gonna get there. They could have cut the the first minute and a half in half, and it would have been a, a super banger. I still like it. I still think it's pretty good. That's yeah, a good song. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I think it's good. Album's shaping up pretty good. April fourteenth. Who's huh. counting? All right. <laughs> well. Obviously, you are. I'm. I'm looking forward to it as well. Seventy-two seasons. Should be a good one. I. Yeah. I like what I've heard so far. I, I definitely like what I've heard so far. All right. So, texture call nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Start things out. Uh, look back at last night with the Avalanche losing to the Kraken over at Ball Arena. Look, the Avalanche had a two-one lead late in the third period. Could not protect that lead. And Andrew Cogliano, he told the Denver Post, look, you kill the five on three, it's hard. It tilts the ice a little bit. It puts guys in in playing more minutes than they should. It keeps our best players on the bench. And obviously, there was a little momentum for them. And so for the Avalanche, 
They're leading 2-1, but they had to defend a full two-minute five-on-three. Alexander Georgiev made seven of his 32 saves during the penalty kill, and Kale McCarr and Devon Taves, they stay on the ice the entire two minutes. The Avs killed another penalty four minutes later, but then Seattle tied it five-on-five, ended it early in the three-on-three when they went to overtime. And so Carver's last two games... They've had they turned it over too much in mm-hmm. the, their defense their their defensive end. They've been really kind of uh, sloppy, making some mistakes. Yeah, um, it's just the second time the Avalanche allowed fourteen goals in a two game stretch since moving to Denver. Most recent was February twelfth of the fourteenth of two thousand eleven, and the last time that the Avs allowed more than fourteen over a two game stretch. It was November 10th to the 12th, 91, against Washington and Hartford, 10 goals and 5. And, I mean, I liked the reacquisition of Jack Johnson, not if he's going to take a tripping penalty like that, personally. Nope. That was rough, too, because that starts the third period. It's not like you get kind of into a game and you got, you know, you can kind of work around maybe. Those guys are a little bit gassed. It's second period. You can kill off a five on three. They were just fresh off a rest, and they killed it off. They didn't get a goal on it, but you can kind of attribute that to having a two-man advantage because it came, what, 40-some-odd seconds after that goal was after they were done. But it's like, man, you got to stop leaving your goaltender out to dry. They were... They left, especially in the 14 goals over the weekend the, yeah. or last week at Saturday against Dallas. How many times the puck made it in the net from the other team when it was either an odd man rush or turnover in the defensive zone? Not a whole lot your goaltender can do there, you know, especially when you got guys that are skating full steam at him. You, there's not much Georgiev or Kincaid or whoever's back there could do about it. Yeah, you put exactly. Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur back there, and they may not have that much How about uh, Kincaid with his Bruins uh, goalie pads on Saturday? Yeah, it was a little... <laughs> bright, he got traded, yellow. like, Tuesday. It's like... Well, we, we know how stuff gets lost, though, right? Maybe they, they were shipping them and... Well, that didn't get lost. It made it. I mean, he took them with you. <laughs> I guess that's true. They, he did wear them. Maybe they sent his... Avalanche pads to the wrong place. I guess Maybe. that's where I was yeah, going with that. Go. They sent those to the wrong. He had those on him. He had his Bruins ones on him. Can you get some spray paint or some but electrical tape a, or something? He's an equipment guy, right? I mean, yeah. shouldn't he have his pads? Right. Isn't there a Sherwin Williams down the road from Ball Arena <laughs> or something? About, they can go just dip them in a bucket of paint. Well, they were they were in Dallas though, weren't they on Saturday? Oh, okay. Yeah, they weren't. They were they were in Dallas. They were not in. Oh, Which well, I'm sure that, they well, that helps. But I don't think you're gonna use Sherman Williams on on pads like that, though. I wouldn't okay. think. I don't I mean, know. I don't Maybe know. what I, mean, I don't I don't know. Is that the the weather sighting? Do you need that since you're on the ice? Is you know, you can't just go with the straight indoor wall paint on that sort of thing, can you? It did look it did look bizarre though with the with the yellow pads. Yeah. Should have played in Pittsburgh. Maybe so. Let's it's, see. Would have been okay. Be yellow, and nobody would have nobody would have probably said anything about it. PPG Paint Arena. <laughs> see, maybe PPG would have been perfect. PPG Paint would suit. yeah would have been able to they would have been able to color color up his pads maybe a little yeah. bit. Doesn't the Ball Canyon Corporation have something some paint or maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Hook a brother up. That looked a little weird. So, uh, but going back to last night, the Avs losing to Seattle in overtime. Here's uh, Jared Bednar 
talking about uh, not thrilled with the effort again, but also uh, how good Georgiev was last night. I, I didn't like our game tonight again. Uh, I would say, well, it was improved from giving up seven, but I would hope so. Um, yeah, but still slow for me in D-zone coverage. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's rested, right? Like he had his four-day break, went in yesterday for a little bit and came out, which is why we did it yesterday. I don't put any of those goals on him yesterday. Um, and today I thought he was our best player. All right, so that's Jared Bednar on uh, the loss last night at home to Seattle. So uh, Avalanche, they get uh, San Jose coming up on uh, Wednesday. We'll have it here on the team. Sharks uh, enter a ball arena pregame at 6.30 with Connor McGahee, who we will talk to on the program as we normally do on Wednesday. We'll preview that one with Connor coming up on Wednesday. All right, so uh, you have the Nuggets on the hardwood tonight. Nuggets host Toronto. 6.30 pregame for that one. Tip at 7 o'clock tonight. Nuggets right now. You're a top team in the Western Conference. They have uh, they built a nice little six-and-a-half game lead mm-hmm. at the moment over the Memphis Grizzlies, who have their problems, which I'm Morant. Hey, uh, wow, what dude, a dumbass. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm going to go to a nightclub. I'm going to take my shirt off, and I'm going to wave a piece around so yeah. everybody can see it. That That's <sighs> stupid. Especially, you know what? Not even just on the net. Regionally. Memphis, Tuscaloosa, not too awful far apart. No. But don't you, don't you, you can afford a subscription to a newspaper, right, and read some of this stuff. That's one. Two, he, they suspend him, and then he announces he's going to step away to help deal with, what, like stress and anger management issues. Uh, he didn't look too awful stressed no, in the he video. Didn't. He looked like he was having a hell of a time. But man, a lot. I love John Morant. I loved watching him in the NCAA tournament. I like his game. But man, this season, what a dumbass. It's like, dude, can't you get out of your own way for five minutes? I, I just, what, what was that? I mean, come on. Like, get out of just, you know, to take five seconds. Is this a good look? No. Okay. I probably shouldn't do this. It's that simple. Like Miller in Alabama with the pat-down thing. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I get initially what they were going for. The, mm-hmm. hey, look, you know, he's so he's so dangerous. We're checking for weapons, right, yeah. on the floor? But after the whole thing happened with the gun, don't you immediately stop that? Yeah. That, hey, this is just a horrible look. Isn't somebody on campus going to stop that, maybe? Not let it go for five weeks and the Nate Oates be like, oh, yeah, oh, that, yeah. Doesn't, no, that, look that's good, not, doesn't look good. How about, hey... That thing that you do when mm-hmm. you the pregame warm up thing, the pat down thing, stop doing that immediately. Yeah. And, and that like, is wrong place, wrong time. Not him taking the gun to the kid who gave it to the other kid who shot the woman. That's not wrong yeah. place, wrong time. And I know people give J.R. Smith a lot of crap for not having his shirt on, but nobody really notices half the time. You know why? Because look at the ring that dude's got. John Morant doesn't have anything. Except well, a piece, apparently. Well, but also it's not that having a okay. I don't care if he's got his shirt on or off at a club. That's I don't care about that. It's it's the waving a gun around. Yeah. Does that club have a no shoes, no problem sign on the yeah. front? Apparently, because John Morant didn't have. I, not a whole lot of people have shirts on at that club, from my understanding. 
Yeah, okay, whatever. I I don't care. If, I don't know if that. it's that type of club. I just, but I'm I, guessing. I, I'm just I'm just like, come on, man. It's like, what are you doing here? Get out of your way for five minutes. You know the the whole thing that that went down involving Shannon Sharp and all that. Yeah, remember he he was involved in that. Didn't he have his boys point a laser? Yes, they did. Which could have been a laser sight. Yes. Which now makes it more likely, considering John Morant was just waving around a gun in a club somewhere over the weekend. Like, dude. And he's so crucial for Memphis and what they hope, their, their aspirations you are. You make so much money. Can you not pay someone forty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year to say, this is a dumb idea? That's all you pay them to do is to check your worst impulses. And I know people aren't going to employ people to tell them that they're doing stupid stuff. That runs counterintuitive to ego, right? But still. And, and look, and I always hate, I hate the, the written apology through the agent. Yeah. His agent, Jim Tanner. His agent who wrote it and put it out under Jaws' Because, you know, he didn't say any of this. No. The, I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm sorry to my family, teammates. No, you didn't, he didn't say any of that. He basically probably said to his agent, put out something that mm. makes me sound like I'm sorry about this. Even though I'm really probably not all that. Actually, you know sorry. what? You know what's more likely he said to his agent? Take care of it. Why do I have to apologize for anything? Yeah, exactly. What did I do wrong? Because this is not the first, the second, the third, the fourth. This is like a second hand worth of stupid crap this guy's, guy's done since the start of the season. Well, that he, you don't think he's he assaulted a teenager in his neighborhood. We had a, he had a gun on him at that time, apparently. Although the police did not say that Morant pulled out the weapon at that time. He and nine friends arrived at a finish line shoe store in, in a mall to handle a dispute concerning his mother. The uh, situation, Moran's car pointing a laser, someone in that car, at members of the Indiana Pacers traveling party. Who has nine friends? <laughs> it must be nice to be that popular, I guess. I, I just, it's like, okay. What the hell are you doing? What is wrong with you? Thank goodness he's Memphis's problem and not Denver's problem. No kidding. So the Nuggets get Toronto tonight as we went off in the Jai Morant ditch for just a moment there. But uh, Nuggets taking on the Raptors tonight. Mentioned Nuggets have the six-and-a-half game lead over the Grizzlies in the uh, Western Conference. And for the Raptors right now, they currently sit ninth in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. Fred Van Fleet, who I always loved his game. Yeah. Uh, a, a guy that really kind of is the... The orchestra, you know, he's the maestro of their offense, mm-hmm. and he's shooting 34% from three-point range this season, 36.6% or better in each of his previous six seasons. So he's been, been a much better three-point shooter, and he's also been good at distributing the basketball. In the case of Van Vliet, though, force him to be more of a passer than a scorer tonight if you're the Nuggets. And also, only one team in the NBA has two players in the top five in minutes per game. And that's the Raptors with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Seacam. C- uh, Siakam. Uh, Siakam, I'm sorry. Yeah. Siakam. Thank you. You're welcome. I just remember that from a playoff run a couple, three years ago. Pascal Siakam, thank you. I had already forgotten the, how to pronounce his name. Remember, they were champions. Not that, Man, long. It wasn't, not that long ago. 
another thing I was looking up. What about like, DeMar DeRozan was there? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to mention. I'm like, remember when they DeMar that DeRozan? Guy? Oh, he hasn't I'm, been a Raptor for five years. They, he hasn't been a Spur for three. Yeah, they're, they're tied for the league lead at 37.5 minutes per game. And so they're very reliant on those two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they don't really have – I mean, they got some scores. Like Gary Trent Jr. can fill it up a little bit. But, like, this is the game that, like, OG Ananobi has, like, 31. Right. This is the game for the Nuggets to where they're like, you know what? They're going to come out. It's a it's a load management type of game, you know. Nikola Jokic gets a triple double, plays like fourteen minutes or whatever. But OG Ananobi has like thirty one, and the game goes down to the wire. I just now, feel that be, in my bones. Also, first uh, meeting of these two teams this season, by the way. Masai Ujiri can watch what he built. Exactly, Nuggets. Uh, yeah, former Nuggets GM now in Toronto. So Nuggets and Raptors tonight. Pre-game starts at 6.30, 7 o'clock tip uh, with Jason Kosminski on the call on that one tonight. Uh, Nuggets at home, by the way. Um, they're just 29-4. and four. Oh, is that all? That's it. They would still have to play at West Texas A&M, though. <laughs> if they played the South Central, they would. Raptors, uh, not so good. They're 12-20 and 20 on the road. Yeah, not great. Not great. All right, uh, Delta coach Kyle Crowder is going to join us in a moment. Time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we talk pitch clock every once in a while around these parts when we talk baseball. And we got a text from AJ, which we will uh, get to later on. But it's about the, you know, usually it's, well, how are pitchers going to adapt and this and that and the whole thing. Well, Mad Max Scherzer, one of those pitchers that we questioned how he was going to adapt, loves the pitch clock. Power that the pitcher has now. I mean, I can completely dictate pace. I mean, the rule change of the hitter only having one time out is a, <laughs> changes the complete dynamic of the you know, of the hitter and pitcher you know, dynamic. So I can kind of work quick. I can work ex- actually. I can work extremely quick, or I can work extremely slow. So I can. There's another layer here to be able to mess with the hitter's timing. I can come set uh, before the hitter's really even in a box. Um, you know, the rule, you know, I can't pitch until eight, you know, but as soon as his eyes are up, I can go. So, you know, have that conversation with the umpire to make sure that, that, that that's legal, and that is. So, like, you know, like just getting used to how this is going to be in 2023. I loved watching him. I think it was last week. He's standing on the mound with, like, 16 seconds left on the pitch clock, and some dude with, like, 87 stands in the box you know this kid's like a double a kid and max just stares at him for 13 seconds just staring at him with two different colored eyeballs and then finally blows the heater by (laughs) you know that kid's about ready to pee himself he's like oh my god oh oh no oh my god oh no all right we'll take a break we'll come back delta coach kyle crowder joins us next on the jim davis show You're listening to The Jim Davis Show on The Team, 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Get in the huddle with Delta Girls basketball coach Kyle Crowder on The Team. Welcome back to the Jim Davis Show. Buckeye and Jim with you here. We're joined right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. 
by the head coach of the Delta Panthers girls basketball team, Kyle Crowder. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. I wish it was on uh, a visit with us, Kyle, talking about uh, moving on to the Final Four, but uh, your, your team only down by six at halftime, but unfortunately you can't get the win against uh, Holy Family. You lose 55 to uh, to 31 on Friday night. Just, uh, I guess, take us back to that because their their pressure second half was really kind of the, the difference in that basketball game. It was, you know, and, and Holy Family is a, is, a, is a good team. You know, they... Uh, they have a lot of really good players. They shoot the ball well, and, and they defend well. And, and we kind of knew that going in, that um, we were going to have to handle their pressure in order for us to be able to be successful um, in that second half or mainly in that third quarter. We let the pressure get to us a little bit, and we had um, too many missed opportunities, turned the ball over a little bit too much, and they were able to convert. Um, and then we didn't shoot the ball extremely well. You know, we only shot about 20% in the second half, which, you know, makes it really difficult to be successful. Kyle Crowder, coach of the Delta Panthers girls basketball team with us. I mean, w- when you look at the season, though, it's been a remarkable season. He had a 17-game winning streak, uh, which was snapped by the top seed Holy Family. I mean, that's that's a remarkable accomplishment by your players to be able to to rattle off that kind of uh, long-term success. It is. You know, and, and you know, we, we came a long ways. At the beginning of the year, we weren't playing very good together as a team, and as we kind of progressed through it, um, the kids just seemed to kind of gel together, and, and we built really good team chemistry. Um, you know, when we were able to play as many kids as we did, it didn't matter which five were on the on the floor. Um, we were still able to find success, and, you know, our season was not defined by a single individual. You know, our, our success was definitely defined by, by team play, and, you know, that's, that's just something to be proud of. You know, there's times that um, it was just amazing to watch these kids just share the ball, and, you know, there was nobody that was – selfish um you know everybody just wanted to see success for each other so i mean it, it was a pretty special season so excited delta coach kyle crowder with us today on the team sports network panthers in the season 19 and 6 um and but you have a lot of talent coming back you do lose two really uh, good seniors and aubrey frazier and ellie ames who uh, was your leader in assist this season you lose them to graduation but kylie huff returns taylor summers uh, Audrey Frazier, uh, you know, there's there's still a lot of talent coming back for you, Kyle, for next season. There is, you know, and, and um, I can say that our sophomores had about the best game out of anybody up there at State, so that was really good for them to get some, some reps in that kind of situation so that hopefully when we get back there next year, um, they're going to kind of have a feel for that. Um, but like you said, you know, we, we, we have been a, a team the whole year. It didn't matter which five, and so – Having a couple of girls graduate, I think we can definitely, you know, step right in. It's, it's going to be a learning process just like it was this year. You know, we lost gro- good girls last year, um, and next year it'll be the same. It'll, it'll be a little different without those two. But uh, with, with the talent that we have and now a little more experience, um, you know, we have some of these girls that have been to state two or three times now. Um, you know, hopefully that's going to give us a little bit of an advantage going into next season. So for you, I mean, it's a couple, it's some some time off here for for you and your basketball players. But uh, I'm sure the planning begins for what uh, what looks like this summer: open gym uh, camps, those kind of things for your basketball team. Yeah, June is usually our busy time, so we'll get going in in May a little bit, and we'll get those kids in. Um, but you know, it, it's good for these kids to step away. I really encourage them to to do spring sports. You know, find some other opportunities to go out there and not think about basketball because. Um, I mean, it is a long season. You start the, the middle of November and you run until 
right now. I mean, that's a long time for them to have to be around me. So, um, you know, they definitely need a break <laughs> from the from the game, but but also a break from me. So, uh, we'll get going. You know, and and it is it's an exciting time. You know, to just know that um, potentially we we could make a run at it again next year. And uh, you know, if these kids find ways to to make themselves better in the off season, really getting in the weight room and and finding time in open gym and doing the camp stuff that we do, um, I just I mean, I think there's some of our kids that are only scratching the surface how good they can really be. So so pretty excited about the potential of this next year's team. Well, Kyle, your team, uh, excellent representation, of course, the Delta High School, but the Western Slope as well, showing uh, the kind of basketball we're capable of playing over here on this side of the hill. Uh, congratulations on what was a great season, and I always appreciate the time. And it's, uh, it's been great having you on and uh, covering, uh, of course, the Panthers over on the Monkeys. So uh, we appreciate it, and, and thanks again. Yep, thanks for all the support, Jim. All right, take care. Kyle Crowder, coach of the Delta girls basketball team, and they're going to still be really good next year. Still going to be one of the better teams, girls basketball teams, on this side of the hill. All right, uh, text call 970-242-1340. And uh, got some text to get to. Some of this involves the, uh, the proposed leagues for high school football starting in 2024. Mm-hmm. We talked about it quite a bit the other day. Chavez from Palisade and I had a... Uh, Lively back and forth about that. Ooh. We're going to um, we're going to go back and talk a little bit about that because there was a, at least a, one text I believe that had something to do with that. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll have a little uh, reset on that. Also, go around the NFL next hour as well. Text or call us today. What makes your list from the weekend? The good, the bad, the ugly. Right here on the Jim Davis Show.